All right. Well, we got a special uh, something this this morning. I want to do a little bit different. Um, I know God's doing some really cool things among the people, and you know me, I can preach at the drop of a hat without warning. But sometimes it's good to hear what God is doing among the people. And so, um, you know, what I'm seeing is a beautiful thing, honestly. You know, when, um, uh, who was it that had the, the baby? And without any prompting, Rebecca, you, you got together, was when, Jan when Janelle had her baby, without any coaching, she got together, got a list of folks to bring over meals for them, and you probably had food coming out your ears, I bet. Yeah. And uh, uh, Alex is like, yeah, we sure did. <laughs> right? And so what a wonderful thing. And then Tanya, I, I don't know, I can let you say something if you'd like. Tanya had surgery. Well, I mean, even going back to the flood, right? I mean, what, what did you experience through all of that? Oh, okay, let me get my notes out. Oh, wow. But we, we had, I'll, try to make it short. I'll, I'll cover the, the, okay, go ahead. All right. Um, She's prepared. I didn't even ask her ahead of time. I just never took, took them out of my bag. Oh, okay. Hold that right up under your chin. Oh, okay. Um, Monday on July 24th, I woke up surrounded by water. And she wasn't in the tub. <laughs> I was sound asleep. I slept, I slept right through it. I, I didn't expect it to happen to me. I, um... Looked out the front door and I uh, saw that my car was turned, was into my carport. My son had actually called and woke me up and he says, Mom, check outside. You need, he, and he was at work in Tawanda. And he said, look over and see if my boat is still in my yard. So I did and I got back on the phone I says, you have two boats in your yard. His and the other neighbors. So he headed home and... I just didn't know where to start. I didn't have the money to to replace everything. I lost my, well, I didn't lose it, but I don't know yet how much I have to replace the skirting. I lost all the insulation. My registers in my home were all mud inside. The offers of help just started pouring right that first day. I prayed and I prayed and I, I was a prayer warrior that whole week. Tuesday, I had gotten a phone call from the car rental place. Found out that my rent a car was a refundable deposit. <clears throat> All I had to pay for was whatever gas I, I, I used. I had talked with pastors Terry and Tim, and they were right there ready to help. On Wednesday, I had picked up the rental. I went online shopping for my car. And the insurance adjuster came, and I was petrified because I did not have the money to replace my car, living on an, a fixed income. So I was actually petrified of what was going to happen, and, and would I be able to afford another vehicle? Thursday, and mind you, every day I prayed, I gave God something else to deal with every day because it seemed like there was always something new popping up. Thursday morning... My car value came in at three times what I was expecting. I was expecting low book. 
So that gave me the money to actually get the vehicle I was wanting but afraid to hope to get. I got to pay half of that cash. The other third of the check that I got for my car gave me the ability to pay for the insulation I needed to be replaced. So that all fell right into place. And um, let's see. I had gone down, I test drove this vehicle that I thought I had to have, filled out the application, and then I started praying. This is 4 o'clock Thursday night. I thought, well, tomorrow's Friday, then the weekend. I'm not going to know anything until Monday. 10 after 9, Friday morning, I got a phone call. I said, come get your car. Which uh, shocked me because I didn't have that money to pay down on it yet. And they said, don't worry about it. We'll take a personal check. We'll hold it. When you get the money and get it deposited, call and let us know. Who does that? Yeah. You know? So it was just like everything was falling right into my lap. Saturday morning, I woke up, and I had six men show up to start tearing out my skirting. Pastor Terry was the dirtiest of them all. The muddiest. <laughs> I was afraid he wasn't going to be able to get back into his own home. He was he was a mess. Then I had Celeste and the kids come up, and we all just started doing what we could do. But, but God just answered all my prayers that week. As far as my hospital stay, I found that I'm allergic to all the pain medications they gave me. So it was a very painful, for me personally, operation when you can only take the bare minimum of pain. I laid in bed and I prayed and I prayed and asked God, you know, help me with this pain. And and He did. He did. I'm I'm moving forward. Might not be right up where I should be, but I'm not far behind where I should be. So, so praise God for that. That yeah. I am getting back. Yeah, and I mean, I stopped. Lori and I stopped over to see uh, Tanya the other night, and I think Janelle, you must have just been there not too long ago. She said you ran the vacuum and cleaned everything and did the dog's bath and and visited yeah and so so listen this is what community is supposed to be is my point you understand you see it's one thing if we show up to church and then we never have anything to do with anybody until the next sunday and i realize we don't all have the opportunity and the availability to do that but those who do are those who do are and so, uh, Janelle, I've, I've asked Janelle to come up and share a few things as well. Uh, she's gone through some really interesting things here in, uh, in the last few weeks. And so come on up, Janelle, and just try to hold this mic up underneath your chin without bunking the little man there. And, um, but uh, uh, Janelle is just one of these people that just has a heart for people and a heart for the Lord. And she works in a field uh, where all she does is help people. And uh, and so uh, I'll let her share a little bit about that, but just share what you've experienced in the last few weeks and how God's met you in the in those ways. And one of the things too, just before I move off of Tanya, you know, Tanya had uh, a couple other really cool blessings financially uh, with uh, some things there as well. For those of you who don't know, uh, Tanya's husband is deceased, and so she lives alone. She's retired and um, retired from GTP. Yeah, and um, so so anyhow, um, God's just, this is a person who we've seen every turn God has met her need. And it's just been wonderful. Yeah, yeah, he'll continue to do that. 
Yeah, it's just wonderful. It's wonderful. And I think it's been a great demonstration to your family and friends. And, uh, and so, you know, it's just it's beautiful. We, we need to think past church attendance to what really Christ designed. And if we look in the early part of the book of Acts, you know, it really wasn't a, a thing about showing up occasionally. It's about living in community. If church is meant to be anything, it's community. And so, so anyhow, uh, Janelle, just take about five or ten minutes and just kind of share your heart with the folks. Sure. Um, in order to, uh, you know, speak about the past few weeks, I kind of have to give you a little bit of a backstory. And uh, anybody that knows me knows I'm pretty transparent. I don't hide anything. I am who I am, and that's who I am. You either love me or you don't, but most people do. So <laughs> that's a win-win for me. Um, so talk about healing and breaking captives free and being a new creation in Christ today kind of just really lined up part of my testimony here. Um, so uh, the title of my testimony is I Ain't Gonna Let Anything Get in My Way of Christlikeness. And um pastor says five to six minutes, but I can say a lot in five to six minutes. So let's uh, kick some devil's butt, can we? <laughs> so um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Janella Vale, and I'm the mother of five beautiful children and the wife of that sexy man bear back there. <laughs> um, I haven't always been the strong woman that some of you have known and grown to love. My past is riddled with trauma and heartache. Um, when I was 13 years old, I got taken out of my home because my mother was abusive, and I spent the next almost six years in juvenile detention facilities. So I bounced around nine different facilities, and I was put on all different sorts of medication. Um, and in order to justify the over up like this, can you hear me better? Can you hear me now? In order to justify the overprescription of medication, what they have to do is they have to diagnose you with disorders. So here I am, a 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old child. My brain's developing, and I'm being told at 14 years old that I have schizophrenia, and I'm manic-depressive, and I'm bipolar, and put on medications such as uh, lithium and Zyprexa and Depakote and things that really destroy the chemical structure of your brain. So... Um, you know, when I came to encounter Jesus and know the Lord for the first time, it was really difficult for me because I'd been programmed to believe that I was this person and that person. So that scripture, you're a new creation in Christ, really was confusing to me because I was like, I don't even know who I am to begin with. So um, that pretty much started my healing journey, you know, and I was lucky enough to have a lot of people, you know, God sent a lot of people to me during my salvation and during my walk to keep me straight and that wonderful woman of God over there. I mean, I remember times, this one time I walked into my kitchen and there was a box on the table and there was a blanket in it with a scripture and Miriam had just stopped over when I wasn't there and left a sweet little blanket there and I, that was during my time when I was doing the healing journey. So anyways, one of the reasons why I ended up in juvie was because um, my mom was abusive and my dad kind of turned his back. Um, so I had like constant internal turmoil all the time and I believed these things that I was told about myself. I believed that I was broken and unlovable and defective well into my young adult life. But praise the Lord for setting me straight. I've encountered Jehovah Rapha 
in just such a powerful, powerful way. The Lord, my healer. I know God as my healer. I know Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh. He has provided everything for me. He has provided me peace through it all. Through, but I wouldn't be here today without the help of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Without being able to humble myself enough to reach out for prayer, I fought some pretty tough battles and demons. And I can honestly say, without a shadow of a doubt, that I wouldn't have been able to get through it without one, the Word of God, two, my prayer life, and three, members of the body, non-judgingly loving me and praying me through it. Not one person's struggles are the same. And everyone has to bear their own crosses. I had a barroom ministry in this town for almost nine years. So I was working in a bar and I was I was being judged by other members in the you know, in the body. I'd have to leave a church because people were pointing fingers at me and whatnot. Um, but there's people who wouldn't be in church today if I wasn't sitting there bartending with my Bible open, as strange as it seems. So, I mean, where would Jesus be? You know, Jesus wouldn't be running around in these hoity-toity jobs. He'd be out there in the trenches, and God sends me to the trenches. So, um, told the story about Miriam and the blanket. I've been blessed with so many women in my life that no matter what time of the day it is, I know I can call on them for prayer and guidance. And nothing, absolutely nothing, will stop me from pursuing Christ-likeness. I've never let my struggles keep me from reaching out in my time of need. Prayer is a powerful weapon, and we all need one another, non-judgingly and authentically. We need one another. And the enemy would love nothing more than to separate us from that. Um, during the time I was at working at the Community Cup, I was going through an awful divorce. Um, three of my children are my ex-husbands. And uh, Joe Brandt, she would pray with me all the time. We would actually go and pray in the um, broom closet. And <laughs> even when I was bartending, we used the, the beer stock room as a prayer closet. Another girl that comes here, Amanda Shad, she was my prayer partner too. But I would come and look in like door, death's doorstep, and Joe, she would always meet with a smile and pray with me. So it kind of leads up to what has happened the past couple of weeks. Um, I went, I, I delivered my son, Titus, and <laughs> woo, and um, my heart is just to help others. And I knew that I needed to help um, people who I was working with because I was on bed rest for a month and a half. So I wanted to go back to work to kind of help them get back on track. I had a girl that was going to deliver a baby and she just really, really needed some support. So I made the mistake, despite my husband, um, you know, trying to discouraged me from going back to work, but I went back to work in, um, a week and a half after delivering the baby, and then um, we ended up moving. We moved our house when I was 38 weeks pregnant, and then we went on vacation, so it was just way too much for me, and I got overwhelmed, and things started getting weird. I call it the case of the weirdies, and <laughs> I have five kids, and after I deliver my children, I think it may have something to do with all the trauma that I suffered as a kid. I kind of get a little weird, um, weirder than I already am. <laughs> So um, I ended up in the hospital, and if it wasn't for my husband knowing the warning signs, you know, and bringing me there um, to get the help that I needed, I, you know, probably would be in pretty rough shape. But during that time, I had so many people praying for me and reaching out to me. I got home, and my phone was just blown up with messages. I got home, and there was this big old beautiful welcome home sign, and like 
handfuls of heart rocks and paints to paint the heart rocks and flowers and a sign that said some hearts, some hearts, we, something about, I can't even remember what it was, but I remember coming home and just like feeling the love at my doorstep and just crying and humbling myself. And um, I heard a quote this one time that Christianity, Christianity isn't all roses. It's like boarding a battleship. And we battle in prayer. And your breakthrough and healing is one in prayer. And if anything you get out of this message, please let it be. The battle is one in prayer. And we really need each other. I mean, we need each other non-judgingly because we all have our own strength. And we can't be pointing the finger and judging people because this person may smoke a cigarette or this person may have had a couple extra beers. Life is hard. And we all fight difficult, difficult things. And we need each other to love. That's our first commandment. That's what God says. He doesn't say, uh, love this person but not that person because they're homosexual. Or love this person and don't love that person because you don't agree with the things that they're doing. Well, if you left the door open, your skeletons would come tumbling out too. So, anyways, I may have gone over ten minutes, but that's me. Thank you. Yes, and, and you know, just being transparent and, and opening the door to let people know that this, that you're having a struggle, hey, I'm, this, this is real life. I, I understand, you know, because just like you're saying, we all have struggles of some sort. You know, one person's struggle may be financial, one may be emotional, one may be in their marriage, their children, whoever. But it's so important to be... Uh, be transparent and not be afraid to share that struggle. That's where your healing comes from. Yeah. Satan would love nothing more for you to just sit there and deal with it and dwell on it and mull it around. You know, and like, okay, so my past was pretty crappy. We all have crap in our past. However, God promises to turn all of that stuff right. that the devil meant for bad. Yeah. To good, yeah, you know, and he does because yeah. all that crap that I went through, I now go into the psychiatric centers and I work with the teens there, providing enrichment groups, and I work with people who have gone through similar struggles as I have, and said, hey, let me come alongside of you, and you can do X, Y, and Z to get to this point, but you're gonna have to do it. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, don't let the devil win. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Give her a hand. Thank you so much. Janelle, for sharing that. And and Alex, I just bless you, man. Seriously, I just bless you. You know, that's um, it takes a strong man and a brave man to do what you did and, and be able to walk with her through that. Because there are people that will turn their back on others. You know, my, my mom, uh, when, when Laura and I were kids, uh, she was diagnosed, well, she, no, she was undiagnosed with being bipolar. And so she would do very strange things. Well, we had no idea. We were just like, wow, mom's really acting silly. Or, you know, oh, she's doing something dumb or she's saying dumb things. And, um, you know, and so when you don't know, and then when there is a, you know, okay, well, somebody says that this is happening. Well, then there's a whole other stigma. And, you know, and, and how many of you know all of us, the, the biggest way that the enemy attacks us is keep you so embarrassed about your struggle that you hide it 
And then what the enemy does is holds a gun to your head and, and it basically threatens you. I'm going to show, I'm going to expose you for what you, you know, and the best thing to do, just like David did after he found out, you know, hey, I really messed up. Run to God. Expose yourself in the sense of, you know, you take the gun, you take the gun out of the enemy's hand when you just are transparent, just like she did. That's a brave thing she just did. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a that's a gutsy move. And so, um, so we, you know, we all need to know that I can I can trust you, and you can trust me that when you share your struggle. And there are some struggles you need to share and just keep between you and a brother or something like that. And I understand the difference. But at the same time, be willing to uh, find that right person to share with so that you're not in the, in the struggle alone. And um, I know what it's like to go through a struggle and not have your friends seem to be there for you and it, you feel so de you, you feel so alone you feel betrayed and thankfully when when those struggles have come in my life I've been a mature enough believer to to draw near to the Lord and pray and pray and pray because that was where your comfort was and um, but you know that's the other thing is that sometimes the enemy will hold a gun to our head to make try to make you feel so uh, silly about it that you'll even stay out of church and listen, like she was saying, we need each other. We need each other. Not because we're needy, but because we're a body. And I can't do what you can do. And you can't do what I can do. But together, we make up the corporate body of Christ. Amen? And so it's so important. So I know there's some other things going on. And, um, oh, I got a pair of shoes up here. Um, anybody else have something that they'd like to share? Something that the Lord is doing with them, through them, in them? Yeah, and you know, the thing with, with Tanya, you know, when she had the flood hit her and stuff, you know, she had all this sopping insulation under her house and stuff, and it was it me and Roger and a couple other guys went over there, and you know, she didn't want to ask. And I told her, I said, we want you to ask. You know, that's an opportunity for us to be blessed. You know, it truly is more blessed to give than to receive. But at the time when you need to receive, it's okay to say, hey, I need some help. Amen. And so it's very, very important. Who else has something that you'd like to share? Something the Lord's doing, maybe in your job or whatever? Go ahead, Roger. Uh, in your family, maybe? Or yeah, let's be real quick. I just want to share something that happened at work, actually. Um, so if you don't know me, I, my name's Roger Wright. I work at Dupont over here in Tawanda. I'm a manager of about three different facilities within that factory. Uh, about 30 people who report to me. So in a managerial position, uh, when it comes to spreading the gospel. I hate to say this, but you got to be kind of careful, right? If you understand that atmosphere. So, but when opportunity presents itself, I'm real, usually pretty quick to jump in it. So I want to share real quick a story. This happened this past Friday. There's a gentleman who, um, the previous Friday, I went to his office. We're working on a, a something together. I went in and I'm trying to talk to this guy, and it's like it's obvious to me he's just not there. He's not with it. I know he has some physical, personal problems. He's overwhelmed in his job, but it's something. And so finally I just stopped the conversation, and I'm like, Jack, I said, there's something, something tells me something's wrong here. And he's like, my dad just had a stroke, a major stroke. And, and, uh, and as the conversation went on, again, real quick, I just said, Jack, I shut the door. And I said, look, I know, I know you're a Christian. I said, would you mind if I prayed with you over you? And he, you know, he kind of gave me that funny look of, um, okay, you know. Anyways, I prayed over him, just prayed about his circumstance, his father, his family. and But mainly I just said, Jack, you're carrying a burden that Christ doesn't want you to carry. I said, it's weighing you down physically. I can see it. I said, it's tearing you up. 
I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you to lay it down at the Father, lay it down at the cross, and let him, let him ease your burden. It says his yoke is, is easy, right? So we go away for the weekend. I find out over the weekend his father passed away. He's off the whole rest of the week. I go to his office this past Friday just to drop something off on his desk. Actually, it was a sympathy card. I burst in his door, and he's there. So he came in. He's trying to catch up some work. He didn't want people to know he was there. But anyway, this, this is the beauty of this story. So I said, hey, I'm sorry I busted in. I was just here to lay this down. And, and I'd written a note on it that said, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. And he got up and shut the door. And he said, <laughs> yeah. He said, I just want to let you know, he said, he says, I've grown up in a Catholic church my whole life. He says, you know, I, I go to church every Sunday. He says, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian man. I have a Christian family. I never experienced anything like I did when you prayed over me. He said, yeah. <laughs> he said, I was able, he says, I was at a breaking point. He said, I, I was literally like, I don't know why am I here. What am I doing? I, I can't deal with this anymore. He said, this ease and just came over me. He says, I literally got up. I pushed my seat under my desk. And I said, I'm going home to be with my family. I don't care what's going on here. I know it'll be taken care of when I'm gone. He says, and I come back, and you did this and this and this, stuff that I had to have done. And um, but anyways, I just said, look, I said, this isn't about me. I said, this is about you pressing closer into God, laying your burden with him, and realizing where your strength comes from. And it was an awesome, awesome experience for both of us. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, good. Give the Lord some praise. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's the thing. You don't know how you're touching people. You know, I mean, Roger just felt a burden for this guy and saw he was struggling and said, I'm, I'm going to get into this and shoulder this load with you. And, uh, you know, and sometimes that's all it takes. You know, I remember going through difficult times and, and you know, sometimes people don't know what to say. They don't know, you know, they just feel like, oh, gosh, I feel terrible, but I don't know what to do. Listen, and sometimes we may be those people. We're like, I know there's a struggle. I just don't know what to do. Many times, all you need to do is just be there. You know, I've had friends die or parents die or different stuff, and you don't know what to say. You just know they're hurt. But you just being there means everything to them. My best friend growing up, uh, Nate Snyder, some of you may remember him up in North Orwell, he was in construction, and, and we, we went through school together and just, oh, my gosh, we were crazy knuckleheads, but had a lot of fun. And he was one of the first people I led to Christ. And uh, he had uh, been working construction at his, as, as his own business and started having trouble getting, you know, remembering and getting his words and speaking and slurring his speech. And then one night he, in bed, had a seizure. Well, he was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is a very aggressive brain cancer. It's the one that John, uh, John McCain has. Well, he was 45 years old, had a, uh, two adult children and one Down syndrome son at home. His two adult children were out of the house at the time. And so anyhow, we prayed over that man and prayed with his family, and he ended up dying. But before that happened, God lined up one thing after the other so that his wife was able to be financially cared for once he was gone. It was just miraculous, just absolutely miraculous. And uh, so anyhow, I kept in close contact with them. And, you know, I, when, as he got worse, 
um, you know, I, I told his wife, just let me know, you know, and so he was on hospice. And so one night I was at work and she said, yeah, the hospice nurse doesn't think he's going to make it another day. And so I told my boss, hey, I'm, I'm taking off and uh, drove up here from Washington, D.C., spent the, the evening with him as he expired. And, uh, you know, I prayed with him, prayed with his family, cried with his family, you know, and um, there are times where you don't feel like you're doing that much. But they have come back to me time and again and told me how much that meant to them. And um, and other people and friends, you know, said, you know, what what you did, that's a true friend. And sometimes that's all you can be, you know. And so, uh, and, and many times that will be enough. Many times that will be enough. So we got time for one more person who wants to share something that God's doing in you, something you're sh showing you, maybe something that you've experienced since you've been here in this church or uh, something that the Lord maybe has healed you of something or uh, working through your family, your job, anything like that. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Oh, okay. This pretty blonde right here. <laughs> Um, so there's a couple that are part of the Vesper community that were here, I don't know how long ago. I wasn't here at the evening service. And um, she came to the service, and I think it was when Dave was actually speaking at. And he came into the service and said that on the way here, or, or sometime when he was preparing for the meeting, that um, he'd gotten a word that, that God wanted to heal people's lower backs. And so this woman was like, well, my back is hurt. You know, when I came, my back was hurting. So she raised her hand along with some other people and got prayer. And she was telling me that, I don't know if it was immediate, but like either that night or the next day, her back pain went away. Um, and then she told her friend that she comes with that she wanted to come to this church on Sunday morning. Um, so they came a few weeks ago, and um, I noticed she was limping. And so um, she had explained the story to me about how they'd come to the morning service because um, it didn't really seem like their speed. And so she was explaining all that. And um, so I asked her if I could pray with her um, for her hip and I prayed with her. And we came back, I think, the f not that evening, not that evening, but the next Sunday evening to the Vesper service. And she told me that her hip had been healed um, and so this two times that this woman has been touched by God um, in this place. And um, so that maybe this is a commercial for the, the healing stuff that's coming up. Um, but you never know. I mean, you never know how God's going to flow, who he's going to flow through, and who he, he's going to touch at what time. So just, you know, I just encourage everybody to be open to um, just sharing with people and, and being vulnerable to open yourself up to people. Thanks, Lori. Yes, amen. Yeah, you know, that's the thing that that all of us need to realize is he's not looking for perfection. He's not looking at ability. He's simply looking for availability. And so, you know, Lori took a chance and said, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm going to take a risk and say, hey, I, I would like to pray for you. You know, and uh, one of the things that you're going to find and something you'll hear these Wednesday nights as we minister and teach on healing is number one, always know God's will is for people to be well. And when Jesus ministered to people, he never qualified anybody. He didn't ask them if they're a Christian. He didn't ask them if they're a Jew. 
He didn't ask them if they were rich or poor. He didn't qualify any of them. He just made himself available. And his, his will is always for healing. And secondly, you know, sometimes we have to go through praying and laying hands and offering to minister to a lot of people before we start to see some success. It's like a lot of different things. You know, I've, I've ministered, been in the ministry off and on for most of my adult life. And I've laid hands on people and I felt the power of God move. And then I've laid hands on people and didn't feel it. But you know what? Neither of those occasions seemed to make any difference. Either they were healed or they weren't. And a lot of times they're healed and I never sensed anything. I've had people say, you, you prayed over me and I was healed and I can't even remember praying for them. You know, laying hands on them. And so the big thing is, is make yourself available. Be willing to take a risk. A lot of times we notice that when Jesus would heal people, and the apostles too, they would do unusual things at times. How many of you would go and touch someone's tongue if they were mute? That would be pretty scary. But if God tells you to, he, will, he loves to use the foolish things to confound those who think they're wise. Loves it. Think about this. The God of the universe, the only begotten Son, was born in a manger in a cave in the most despised town in the smallest land and nation, Israel, in a circumstance that looked like he was illegitimate. Now, is that unlikely? Because remember... Joseph married Mary when she was already pregnant with the Son of God. Talk about being willing to look like a fool. You know his friends were like, I can't believe he went ahead and married her. Listen, don't let embarrassment rob you or rob the people around you from receiving the goodness of God. So, you know, think about Jesus spitting on the ground and making little mud balls and stick them in somebody's eyes that's blind. You, you know people around her be like, that's crazy. What's he doing? And he says, okay, go wash over in the pool there and come on back. And he comes back. Yeah, that's a cult. He's got to be a cult. You know, <laughs> that's, the, that's the easiest thing anybody can say, you know, if it's something they don't understand. It's got, it's got to be a cult, river and witchcraft. You know, and, um, and so smearing mud in a guy's eyes, which is like counterintuitive to can, as can be. Don't smear your mud in my eyes. I'm telling you what. And he comes back seeing. All right? What about the apostles? Hey, uh, the sun's up this way. The shadows are cast that way. All right, lay everybody out here on the side, and when my shadow hits them, they're going to get healed. Boomity, 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 boom. That doesn't make any sense. Or when the apostles said, here, take, they took cloths that were laid on the apostle Paul and took them to the ill person, and they were healed. Do you believe God could do that today? He, he, he is not, his arm is not shortened. All he's looking for is people willing and saying, send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. I'll be a fool for you. And that's the th same thing, you know, uh, when, when uh, we were worshiping, you know, and Bree was encouraging us to, to worship. You know, for a guy, the first time I ever did this, it was like, oh, man, I got all hot over because I was like, oh, probably someone's watching me. Listen, forget it. No one cares. No one cares. No one cares. And then the first time I did this, I mean, I, I never could dance as, you know, to rock and roll. So I know I probably don't look good, you know, dancing. But you know what? God loves that. You think about your children or grandchildren when they sing to you or dance in front of you or whatever. What do you do? You love it. 
And God is the same way. And, you know, and I can remember when my kids were little. You know, I instructed them. I said, listen, if we're standing clapping, you stand and clap. If you see dad bouncing his feet or jumping around, you, you know, because, listen, we're training our children in kingdom things just as well as natural things. And, you know, and that has paid back so many times. My kids, you know, worship freely. And, and, uh, and so it's really so important for us to, to demonstrate, model that. But I can, I can remember the first time uh, I took my dad to church uh, and, and there was a man that was dancing and worshiping and lifting his hands to the Lord. And my dad was like so amazed. He thought that was the most incredible thing because it takes humility to worship the Lord with abandon like that. And, you know, all through the Psalms, David, you know, you look, read Psalm 149 and 150. Timbrels, harps, dancing, shouts, shouts of praise, waving of hands. And, uh, you know, we will act like absolute maniacs for our football team. But then for God, we're just like, you know, I mean, how sad that must be. And so, so I just highly encourage you, be willing to step out and, and allow God, God, I'm telling you, when I begin to worship like that, God sees the humble heart and he meets that. He meets that. And you'll, you'll find as you honor God with your worship, your prayers, your praise, and worship him. You know, I pray in, at my home. And I'll lift my hands and sing to him. And, and um, he honors that. And you'll sense the enemy lose any authority in your life. Because he knows you've already died to the flesh and you don't care. You're going to love and honor God. Amen? Love you guys so much. <laughs> Um, Terry was just talking about worship. Worship is a really powerful thing, and I just can't even express the reality of it. There's so many things that I'm learning every time I stand in worship, and that all of us are going to learn together. It's more than songs. It's so much more than songs. It's so much more than talent. It's so much more than the people that you see here. But, you know, when you feel power in the middle of worship, it's because our our spirit man is going, and it's coming alive to truth. Sometimes we don't know what to do with it. We go, that was great, that was great. But it's so much, it's like, it has nothing to do with the music. It's like, I don't know. I just, I'm so excited for all of you to experience that more and more. God has showed me so much the last few years about it. But a few weeks ago, I don't know, maybe it was two months ago now, um, Aaron Yukit was down here leading from the acoustic guitar. You know, you unravel me. And you all go, <laughs> he's amazing anyways he had stopped and I'm just a fan of like when God is speaking in the middle of worship just kind of go for it and so when he was speaking about um, getting free from burdens and laying burdens down I had been experiencing a lot of burden like anxiety about having this baby you know because my last delivery was a little bit rough and you know it's intense for all you moms who've had babies you know and so I've been nervous about it. But but God cares about all the little things. He cares about everything. And he does not want us to be carrying anxiety. Right, bud? Yeah. Right. 
so when he, when he said that, I was like, all right, no, right now, I'm going to deal with it right now. And I had to choose. No, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm not going to be afraid to deliver this baby. God made my body to be able to have children and deliver children. And I'm going to be blessed. And I'm not going to be afraid of it. And right when he said, like, lift your hands and lay it down, I just lifted my hands and I laid it down just like I could take a coat off my back and not wear it anymore. And I laid it down and I walked away. And God just took that that fear, that anxiety right off of me. He wants that for every single part of our lives. Whatever natural things that happen in life are scary, and God doesn't want us to have to live under those burdens. So God released me of that, and sometimes I'll think about it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not afraid anymore. This is going to be a blessing to me. And now I can feel more excited, and I'm going to squeeze those babies because I'm excited for my own. But I just encourage you, God wants to do the same thing. In worship, when you hear the leader or whoever is stopping and saying, listen, this is what God's saying right now. That's for you. That's your moment. Grasp onto it. Choose it. If they say it's time to get free from anxiety, it's time for you to say, God, I'm gonna, I'm done with it. I'm done. I, and that was what I had to do was say, no, I'm done. I'm laying it down. And I laid it down. So awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I, you know, I would just want to say too, I'm so excited just with some of you, you know, I'm getting to know Brian and Lynn and, and I just really see in you, Brian, a, a, a father heart, you know, just a real father heart. And I believe God's going to really use that, that heart of love, the father's love to demonstrate God's love through you to children, to, but to young men too, you know, um, because I tell you what's happened is, is a lot of people have grown up with a very poor example of a father. And so when they hear the term heavenly father, their concept is very, very twisted. And so, you know, we as godly men can model the heavenly father's love in a proper way to them. And, and so I just really feel like God's going to bring that. That's something that he's given you, that heart for children and heart for people to express that love. And don't ever quench that. Um, and, and, you know, and I know, Lynn, you know what I'm talking about. You see it, too. And I, and I just really see a sweet spirit in you as well. You know, I, I really see uh, God's going to bring you into a place where women are going to come to you and share some very intimate things with you and ask you to pray for them. And, and I want you to step right into that. You, there's no restrictions on anybody. If you, if you have an opportunity and somebody comes to you, they come to you because they trust you. They sense something in you. And so don't, don't quench that. Don't be afraid. You don't have to get my permission or Tim's permission. If you have an opportunity and somebody's come to you, that's the permission you need. And, uh, and, and Miriam, I see, I just really see for, for you, you know, God's honoring, gonna honor, uh, what you've done and what you've been to your children. And as you've honored him with your walk, you know, we, we all have been through difficulties and made mistakes. You've made your mistakes. I've made my mistakes, but I really feel like God is gonna bring you to a place of honor. Um, and I just really see you carry a, a spirit of a strong dignity. And you, you know, and that, just take that for what it's worth. But I really feel like God's going to use that. And I think He probably has used it where people, especially younger women, will come to you and just, they'll want that for themselves. Um, because, you know, we've got such a crazy, crazy society now that everybody's idea of what's great and wonderful is very, very twisted. And uh, and and there's a there's a character and a dignity that you carry yourself with 
that's going to really be used by the Lord, and it's not going to be flashy. It's not going to be you know all kind of crazy. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of accolades from people, but people will see that, and I think there will be others who will direct young women to you and say, you know, this lady's helped me, and uh, you know, I believe Roger and, and Shawna, you guys are going to, you know, you've done such a wonderful job with your family. And that's such a model for people. And they're going to have questions for you on child rearing and stuff. And I'm sure you experience that all the time. And, and you know, just, hey, getting advice from you. How do I do this? How have you dealt with that? Has your child ever done this? How did you overcome that? And, um, you know, those are the things that the body is so made for, just made for it. Amen? And so, uh, and you know, I could say some things about a lot of different people here, too. You know, Mark, I'm real excited about you. I see God just moving in you and changing. Same thing with Brandy. Brandy tries to hide back there, but I know God's doing some stuff deep in there. And uh, you guys don't know, Brandy's a lot of fun. She's a funny person. She's got a really funny personality. So we'll just get her to do a night of stand-up here one time. So, warts and all, I love you guys, you know, and... and uh, uh, flaws and all, you know, and, and we'll walk through stuff together. You know, we've, this church has only been going for four months. It's nothing. But mark my words, eight, ten years down the road, we're going to look back on these days. We're going to look back on these days and say what God has done. Yeah, what God has done. And so we get to be a part of it. And I'm telling you, God wants, I, I feel like we have a place and a part and a mission to help change this area. And you know, it's, religion's not going to change it. Religion, and but love will. Love will. And so, uh, and so that's what we have to offer. And um, you know, I don't, I, I don't come from a denomination. I, I've never been a Baptist. I've never been a Pentecostal. I've never, I have none of the labels. Because first of all, if I ascribe to a label, that means that okay, this is my set of beliefs, and I have to stay within that. And that means I can't grow outside of that. And God has never been allowed, he's never allowed himself to stay in a box. <laughs> and so, uh, but the other side of that is, is I get to love everybody with all the labels. And, uh, and I don't have to defend anything. I, all I can do is just be who God's made me to be and, and, and try to be a demonstration of God's love and mercy and, and uh, the Father heart of God as well. And so, uh, so God's got wonderful things in store. All we have to do, 75% of it is just showing up and, and, getting, and participating with what's happening. And God, because God will bring the right people in. And be, be a witness. Share with your, your friends, neighbors, relatives, and coworkers uh, what God's doing in you because you are the testimony that's out there walking in shoe leather. You understand? So, all right. Well, with that, thank you so much to everybody who shared. I bless you. I think God's got some wonderful things in store. And so uh, I'm so glad to be walking this out with you. Amen.